morning, everybody out there. God bless you all. And this is Wow, What a Show. My name is Phyllis. I am the host of uh, this pre uh, present series titled Apples of Gold. We're reading through the Proverbs. It has been to, to this point an exceptional or wonderful experience. We have really covered the ground chapter by chapter of God's wisdom to us. And, you know, Proverbs were written by <clears throat> Solomon and uh, God had gifted him with a gift of wisdom because that's what he asked for when he became king, a young um, a gentleman. I don't know how old he was, but he was the son of David, of course. And David was himself a wise king in that he, re he received God's uh, wisdom to him when he was, you know, when he was able. He, anytime David was found out to be um, derelict in God's duties, he always humbled himself under God and asked him to <clears throat> forgive him, to guide him, to be with him. And so we know that um, <clears throat> these proverbs, the wisdom that Solomon you know, passes on is as a legacy. We know that they are the voice of God because only God can give wisdom. Wisdom in, this, in the proverbs, in the book has spoken uh, and has, has told us that. <laughs> Good morning. I would love the invitation to share and you are going to get it. I am... Um, here we go. There it is. There you go. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that we have so many um, uh, willing vessels to share with us uh, the reading of the Proverbs and the commentary. It's been so really sweet. I just can't even tell you how, how wonderful uh, it has been and how much I have been blessed by this process. So maybe... Um, yeah, so Fresh and Spaces is going to join us momentarily. I did send the invitation. It takes a little minute to come in. Good morning, light touch. Good morning. I'm so glad you're here. Praise be to God. This is a wonderful thing, and it's a beautiful day. Remember, <clears throat> our live podcast is Rehoboth Institute on air, so to speak, and um. I always like to begin with, wow, what a show in uh, Psalm 19 and expressing to the audience exactly why we call it, wow, what a show. That is that the Lord is himself always performing. He's performing all day, every day. You know, the, the rain, the sun, the moon, the stars at night, the continual movement of the oceans, the seas and the tributaries, you know, the provision of God's uh, seed time and harvest to our very tables to supply our lives. This is the performance of God. And he isn't waiting for your hand clap, by the way. God is doing what he's doing because he has created a world and he loves the world and he is providing for us. He didn't wait for us to beg him to come and die on the cross. He already had the plan in action from the very moment that he conceived 
earth, from the foundations of this world, the Bible tells us. Good morning, Fresh and Spaces. How are you? I'm doing well. Great. And uh, you're a little low. I have I have my volume as high as I can. Okay. Is this much better? Much better, yes. Okay, and may the Lord God bless us today as we move forward in our reading. I turn it over to Fresh and Anna. Okay, I'm not going to call her Fresh and Spaces. I'm turning <laughs> it over to Anna. You can take us, right? We're on your train. We're going where you take us. Man, but I couldn't mm -hmm. actually speak when I got in. So I thought I'd have to put that in the chat for all to see and hear <laughs> that I needed to be able to <laughs> no. speak, uh, this morning. So thank you for that. Okay. And I just love what you just said about the Lord not waiting for us. Uh, it is not like that in case sometimes we go to the other end of the spectrum with coming in and being Christians and thinking, well, now, you know, I've got it. Uh, he didn't wait for us to beg him to come and save the world. He, as a an oh, he he is the best, is he not? Um, he's got he's he's got it all together, and we're really just mm -hmm. trying to be like him, honestly. When we think we have anything together, and he does things in his own time, and he's so merciful that he does it even when we don't think about it, think we need it, have any sort of insight mm -hmm. into anything. He is out there working out his beautiful plan and we are privileged to be players in this. I tell you, the mind is an amazing thing to think about God making us in his image and then allowing us the power of free will and then giving us yes. this really awesome right choice of like to, to choose salvation. At the same time, isn't this amazing? At the same time, predestining us, uh, you know, predestinating yes. us. That, 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 that notion of predestination might be a little scary on one hand, but the more you sort of, and I can't explain it, and we'll go into the Proverbs, but the more you sort of ponder over mm. the word of God, somehow then predestination does not seem unfair. It does not seem difficult. What it seems is mm. like he is the Lord. <laughs> That's what it mm. seems like. And I'm not. And I just, I, and there I take a great comfort actually in that um, because I know he's just. And lots of people look at God working and moving his plan as unfair. Like, how dare you not mm. consult with me so you can see what I like to do. But now that I'm 18, right, and got something to think about. <laughs> um, so I just right. appreciate that one line. And I will say that to the audience and say, you know, as we read through the Proverbs, it dawned on me in the beginning and it dawned on me again this morning that we've got a wealth <laughs> of uh, information that we're trying to uh, talk through. And that's one reason why I think reading the Bible, even if we don't slow down at every point, it, it, it's very important so that we can begin to feed ourselves everything God has to give us. But let's think about it. There's a wealth of information. There are pastors and ministers and evangelists who literally speak mm. for an hour on one or two verses because they're trying to unpack the truth and give us application and you know all that. So as we go through today, if something stands out to you, um, I'm just sort of following a, a regular routine of reading the word without interruption, but also hoping that as we read the word, maybe what stands out to you, what verse or what message does God have for you that you can ponder over in the day, even though we may choose a few to highlight. So with that, I'll say, God, I thank you for this morning. 
you are the best thing. And every time I sit down and say, I'm spending time with you, I say, wow, this is the best part of the day. I thank you that I had a mind to do it because I can think of many moments that you give us to live and to be productive. But I say you're always in those spaces, but sometimes we say I'm going to sit down and I'm going to give you all of this time as best as I can with a wandering mind coming back and forth, sometimes with a cough or something going on in the background. But I'm trying to choose you, Lord, in a way Um, that extends beyond salvation. I'm trying to say I want communion with you. So please meet everybody here this morning and anybody that would listen going forward that we would really just understand that that, that this is the wealth of the world right here in our hands. And that's why so many people do their best to take it away and to silence your voice. So we read Proverbs 14 this morning with a great deal of... Amen. Praise the Lord. A little louder, Anna. Thank you. Yes, sorry about that. I can speak loudly, hmm. but sometimes the voice does go down. <laughs> All right, so. Okay. I think, you know, okay. when you pray, you start praying to yourself. It's for you. You forget about the people who might be listening. So here we go. Proverbs 14, okay. everybody. Every wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pluck it down with her hands. He that walketh in his uprightness feareth the Lord, but he that is perverse in his ways despiseth him. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them, meaning those words. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. A faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not. But the knowledge, knowledge, excuse me, knowledge is easy unto him that hath understanding. Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. But the folly of fools is deceit. Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. The heart of knowledge, excuse me, the heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. The house of the wicked shall be overthrown, but the tabernacle of the upright shall flourish. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Even in laughter the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that myrrh is heaviness. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and the man of wicked devices is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The evil bow before the good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. 
The poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends. He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. Do they not err that devise evil? But mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good. In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to punery. The crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. A true witness delivereth souls, but a deceitful witness speaketh lies. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. In the multitude of people is the king's honor, but in the want of people is the destruction of the prince. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker, but he that honoreth him hath mercy on the poor. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous have hope in his death. Amen. Wisdom resteth in the heart of him that hath understanding, but that which is in the midst of fools is made known. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him that causes shame. So praise the Lord. And again, if anything there resonated with you, or if you read a verse and say, hey, that's something I need to ponder over. If you read a verse and it said, you know, this is something I've actually come to. Uh, I'm actually working here and doing better. Note that too and praise God for it. If you read a verse and you say, I need to remember that, or maybe I can recognize where I've missed the mark there, then note that also. I know this entire book is full of contrasts, full of warnings, starting out with Solomon speaking so it seemed directly to his son and his own, and then the words becoming obviously applicable to any hearer, and moving into Proverbs, these sayings, these admonishments at the end of the day. It's an admonishment to follow in the way of wisdom and to seek knowledge and understanding and to fear God, even if it's written as a warning. So as we look at 14, we'll go through a few verses and then we'll allow everybody to chime in on what may have stood out for them to you this morning. I noted a few and I'm going to be concise, but I would like to highlight a few of the verses. Verse 1 obviously is a good one. It's quoted often, 
but and it's always a good time you know it's always a good day as a woman <laughs> particularly if you whether you're married or not or have children or not in the space in which you find yourself you often have influence but particularly if you are somebody living with family it's good to recognize that we have a great deal of influence so if you're a wise woman you build up your home those that are in it the experience in it the 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 the, the atmosphere itself but the foolish of us we pluck it down you can literally pluck down your own house and maybe you're not going outside obviously hitting the house with an axe but many times it's the atmosphere that we build within our home our responses what we're doing what we're saying how we're living uh, the intents that we have behind some of the actions and behaviors our attitudes all of this combined or individually can build up or pluck down a house um, and I won't belabor that, but I do think it's good if you know a woman <laughs> and you say to yourself, hey, Lord, it seems as if maybe the attitudes and behaviors that I'm recognizing might be causing her to, and without knowing it or knowingly, pluck down her own house, pray for the person. Um, every wise woman would build her house on purpose, but a foolish woman would pluck it down. And I think most of us, particularly if you've ever been married, you've had to look in the mirror and at least come to grips with the fact that you are being influential to the husband, to the children, uh, to your own parents. If you're still living at home, lots of ways you can actually build a house here, even though I think it's directly talking to the married woman who's a mother, but it can apply easily in many circumstances. So let's never forget that this is off quoted for a good reason and it behooves us all to ask ourselves a question in what ways may I be plucking down and, and diminishing okay the value of the people in my home and the experiential life of the people in my home or am I following after wisdom applying those things that God has told me to apply am I walking by the fruits of the spirit and am I being that wise woman who builds up her house in practical ways and within my own influence let's move on to verse two quickly mm-hmm. he that walketh in his uprightness feareth the lord we want to highlight the fear of the lord i feel like everybody's doing it as we read through these proverbs and we want to constantly be reminded that so one in case the fear of the lord is something that's pretty abstract and um not easily to, to under not easy to understand in terms of why would i fear the lord because again we look at some of the words we read in the bible and we equate them the meaning of them with exactly the way we look at using fear amongst ourselves. Nobody says, you know, you shouldn't fear that person. Um, at the same time, we, we want to keep looking at the scripture so that we have a deeper understanding of what the fear of the Lord is. So he that walketh in his uprightness fears the Lord. But if you're perverse, you despise him. And quite frank, practically speaking, a quick way of looking at this is that those who this is an easy way of looking there are i think we can go a lot deeper here honestly but an easy way of looking at this is if i am going after my own way 
And growing up, there are oftentimes, there are things that we want to do. The last thing you want to hear is something about God and his restraints, constraints, or anything that, you know, prohibits. Um, Sometimes we, without knowing it, we're really despising the instruction of God and we're despising his influence in that person who would then constrict us. Um, If I'm walking uprightly, it is a whole lot easier to digest reverence toward God because I don't mind extending that also because I am not necessarily pulling and fighting against the will of the Lord. But when I am pulling and fighting against it, um, oftentimes that can create in us a resentment. So that's one way of looking at verse two. If you walk in your uprightness, you fear the Lord. But if I'm perverse in my own way, if I'm out of the way, if I'm just really just turning aside and the example I gave had to do with sometimes wanting your way or doing something that you shouldn't be doing. But it's really just being obstinate, you know, and stubborn. I just want another way. And most adults I meet actually fall in this category when they don't say they want to hear anything about God. They're just being being contrary. Um, And they find other things to feed them to help satisfy what they want to be in life um, because they are perverse in that sense. They are turning aside and they're, you know, they're turned from the, 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 the way and they're unyielding and obstinate toward the things of God. So let's jump down to verse six. And again, I won't hit everything I read through with you. And I said, there's you know, so much here, but I'm not going to point it all out. But let's go to six. The scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not, but the knowledge is easy unto them that uh, knowledge is easy unto him that hath understanding. And let me say why I pointed this one out. I was working with a student yesterday. And I, the, the first part of the vo- verse, we, uh, we can talk about the scorner and who that is, but I'm really focusing in on the second part, that knowledge is easy unto him that hath understanding. And one illustration of knowledge being difficult to somebody who has a lack of understanding is one that is, look, I'm looking at it in a different context. The student was, had to answer questions to form these responses and put them in an essay. But the student clearly lacked understanding. The insight and comprehension needed was gone. And what I noticed is that no matter how much information or knowledge I tried to impart, the baseline of that student's ability or practice in using the mind in such a way that understanding happened seemed limited and it was a slight bit of an alarming moment for me but it was an eye-opener and I looked at this scripture and I just said well Lord it doesn't exactly apply I know sometimes we'll read a scripture and kind of take it out of context wondering if it could fit into another context Um, but what I did say was I think to some degree at least what you're telling us God does apply here Knowledge is easy to him that hath understanding. In the Bible, the Proverbs are teaching us to seek wisdom and get understanding, and we know that comes from God. Having any sort of uh, insight and comprehension of what he's given us is given us through the Holy Spirit, who teaches us all things. But even in a a context outside of that, I notice that we, if if we're not cultivating our minds, even at an early age, to grasp things, 
or if we're not giving ourselves opportunity to think and to develop insight and to talk through and walk through and contemplate areas of life, it is difficult for us to actually receive information that is meant to teach us and guide us because it doesn't make sense sometimes. And in the simplest way, I I noticed I would ask some questions and simplify as far down as I could. And it was like a maybe or not really. And I, you know, again, here, I I just in terms of the word of God, and uh, I, I do say that sometimes verses stand out. And again, I'm sort of applying it to something that was in my daily experience. But that line really stood out. And I say, knowledge is not easy to somebody who does not have a basic line of understanding. So same here. Um, Knowledge is easy to him that have understanding. For us, when God tells us to seek knowledge, you might be thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to go learn all I can get. (laughs) But sometimes you can read 10 books. You can read 40 commentaries. You can read the Bible every day and still actually lack a great deal of understanding. So I think this is something we could all pray over. It's not quoted often, <laughs> but let's uh, maybe it might interest you to go in and, you know, look at verse six and ask God, say, you know, look up words. What's the scorner? Am I a scorner? Am I seeking wisdom? Am I finding it not? And is knowledge easy to him that have understanding? Do I have understanding? Am I receiving knowledge? So again, that's a little bit of a hard one for us this morning. I'll move on. But it's one of those places I think I want to study further in the context in which Solomon meant it. But I just have to say, and maybe you felt this, sometimes it seems to speak to something in our daily experience. And this is one. Let's move down to eight. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. This is a great one. But the folly of fools is deceit. Now, let's remind ourselves that... um, we are, again, look, the admonishment is to seek wisdom. Um, this is a clear response. Uh, we can ask ourselves, what is wisdom? Here, I think Solomon's just giving it to us directly. The prudent, the prudent, and that word again, uh, simply the prudent person is the cautious person. The prudent person is a wise person. The prudent person is the one who's careful and mindful of the consequence of his or her actions. So if you're being prudent, okay, uh, you understand your way. But the folly of a fool, okay, the folly of a fool, and the fool is really just somebody who lacks a great deal of reasoning. Originally, it actually did point to somebody who lacks reason. It's almost as if a person was born with uh, a type of maybe disability, um, not, you don't have the capacity because of something that's happened in our, in your biology that, um, you cannot understand. But the way we commonly look at fool now refers to just somebody who's a somewhat deficient in their intellect, but not what, uh, I think Webster's 1828 says, an idiot. And, and that may sound like a strong word, but a person who was born with a t- particular type of disability would have been called maybe an idiot but we use it more loosely now somebody who's acting like a fool they're not using their reason they're going in the way that's obviously contrary to wisdom they're being absurd okay so the wisdom of the prudent however the one who is cautious 
and taking a look at what the consequence of what I'm doing might mean later. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. So understand the path in which you're going. Take a look, be mindful and even cautious at the way you're living, the paths you're taking, the things you're partaking of. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. So again, let us take a look at ourselves. Are we being wise? And Solomon says directly, to be wise, the wisdom of the, well, the, 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 the wisdom of the, the cautious man, the, the mindful man, the wise man, because it also means wise, <laughs> is then to understand your way. But the folly comes in, the folly of fools is deceit, allowing ourselves to be deceived. And let me share something a little personal without going too far in. And really warn you, when you get a funny feeling about a decision you're making, a person you're meeting, a, you know, a relationship that you're holding on to, sometimes you wonder if this is sort of ridiculous. Is this out of the way? But it's, it, there's a deception. Sometimes it's not obvious. It's a little more subtle. Now, I don't believe we go without red, red flags or yellow flags, at least, but the folly of the fool is deceit. You can fall into a deceptive situation, no matter how it good, good it may look on one end, it can be a deception, period. <laughs> and the folly of the foolish person, meaning, and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of indicating that we can act foolishly, we can act like an idiot, which I've actually said sort of in passing, like what an idiotic thing to do, you know? Um, I can act without reason, I can be contrary to wisdom in that moment, maybe not all the time, but in a moment of grayness or haziness or whatever <laughs> it may be, you can fall into following the way of a foolish man. You can. Remember the folly of the fool is deceit. But if we're prudent, okay, the wisdom of the prudent is understanding his way, the folly of the fool will lead us to a deceptive place. So let's move on. And, and I didn't share much, but I did have a relationship, if you've ever heard of this or had it yourself, where it was hazy. Uh, or, or I didn't, it's sort of like being, I think the phrase is, a fish out of water. It's a place I hadn't been in. And so all of a sudden, because my I was living a totally different way, I was like that fish out of water in a, place that was not as familiar as maybe it once was. And so navigating it was a little tricky. I needed to slow down and my life was moving pretty fast. And so you fall into making foolish decisions that only lead to deceit. If you've ever been there, then you know that's all you got at the end of the day. So let's move on to, I just wanted to say quickly, nine Fools make a mock of sin, but among the righteous there, uh, I'm sorry, is that nine? Yeah, mock, mock of sin, but among the righteous there is favor. And this verse I want to focus in on the first part. Fools making mock at sin. Again, you know, I don't have to look out at anyone's life or the world. All I have to do is look in my own experience. 
after lots of times, uh, if we look at this again, just on the surface, we can see where we may mock of sin. There are lots of, there's a, t- a place in the Bible where the Lord tells us there are some things that we ought not even speak of, but we do. We get lured away with television, uh, joking, uh, the, whatever everybody's doing, what's going on in the office. And to be quite frank, uh, sometimes we begin to fall into making a mock of sin. We are making mockery. We are, we're not really taking some of the things we're seeing and hearing and responding to seriously enough that we, we, we do. We were making a mock mm. at sin. And I think, um, it, again, no matter how you look at it in whatever translation you're reading, it's mocking at sin. <laughs> Among the upright, mm. there is goodwill. So let's just back up a little bit and check ourselves, check our conversations check um, how we're dealing with what we, God has revealed to us as sin and be a lot more mindful and thoughtful with how we respond to it. Um, let's move on to 23. And again, there's so much more to be said. You might have already said it in your own mind. So feel free to share your uh, comments on the Proverbs this morning. But go down to 23. In all labor, there is profit. We're shifting on. And this is what I love. Again, we've got these contrasts here with Solomon. Solomon contrasts the righteous life versus the wicked life so often you just leave, you know, if you miss it, we've got to go back, (laughs) okay? Uh, Warnings are interwoven in there, and then sometimes I say he gives us a moment to just contemplate our inner man, like in verse 10, he actually gives us a chance just to see what's inside of us. I think it says, the heart knoweth his own bitterness. Absolutely. And a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. Well, that's absolutely also, that's absolute too. The joy that I have deep within, no one can come and taint. But I only know the depths of my own bitterness, okay? So there are moments where you can sort of ponder. But for the most part right now, we're looking at contrast and warning. So in 23, he says, in all labor, there is profit, but the talk of the lips Meaning what I'm just saying, everything I'm spouting off, and just all these words I've got, it tends that tends only to penury, which is basically poverty and lack. So this is a very practical uh, verse that you've probably heard. In all labor, there's profit. Not in all just talking and thinking and planning and doing that month after month after month. These are great ideas, but it would be a good idea to put some... Um, your hands to the plow. And so in whatever you labor, I admonish you, there is profit. Do not get sucked in by thinking your labor is lesser. (laughs) Whatever it is, uh, it's not lesser. You remember what God did, uh, what, what he showed us through the parable of the talents. The one who had one talent and because we're counting numbers and think that, you know, a bigger number is better, I think we might even be missing something with that parable. But he gave one talent, he gave five, he gave ten, he, and the Bible says he gave every man according to his um, ability, period. It's not lesser or greater. You've got more, I've got less. We are, we're so trapped in that whole thing in terms of our thinking. Mm. I want what somebody else has because it's more, it's better. Well, how come I didn't get more gifts and I can barely do anything here? Oh, what an ungrateful spirit. And I don't even think we're looking at that correctly. But nonetheless, he gave the one one, whether you think it's a lot or not, he gave it to him and expected a return. There was none. That was a problem. (laughs) Find that parable uh, of the talents. That was a problem. And it did not end well. So here, 
in all labor, there's profit. Maybe you're obeying your parents, and I mean even your parents who are in their 80s or 90s. <laughs> there's profit in all labor. Your job, you hate it or you love it. But if you're laboring well and standing in your integrity, if you're learning and being willing to learn and not being lazy, some people, I, 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 I see them, you know, like in customer service, they say, I'll do the baseline, I learn how to do that, and no more. They don't extend themselves, it seems, to really labor. As soon as it starts to seem laborious, they steer away from it, yet somehow they've been hired for a job to labor. <laughs> and I find that amazing. And it's really a turnoff to you, even if you also find yourself doing it in your own position of labor. You, you know what it looks like when you see it happening on someone else. So let's remember, in all profit, I mean, all labor, there is profit. But if we just, now this is for the entrepreneur, maybe, or this is for the person who's planning. If you only talk about doing and you never do, as you know and as I know, regret, first of all, will set in eventually. One year will pass and you will not have actually put your hand to the plow. Or it will be that because you don't labor, you have not gained even a little bit or a lot of it or whatever it may be. You haven't gained insight. You haven't gained knowledge. You haven't gained wisdom. You know, we think of it in terms of money, but there's a lot to be gained through labor. I tell my children all the time, you, I cannot necessarily tell you all that you will get back from participating in something until you actually try it. And these are not tasks that have anything to do with getting money. But this can be applicable in all aspects of our labor. I hope that really helps and we will ponder that continually. 24, let's go to 25 quickly. The true witness delivereth souls. A deceitful witness speaketh lies. Here again, I'm focusing in on one part of what Solomon has said. A deceitful witness speaketh lies. My question to us is how do we lie outside of the obvious? And I, again, it's self-explanatory, right, on one level of reading this verse. True witness delivers souls. Well, that's actually another thought. <laughs> a true witness delivers souls. A deceitful witness speaks like the same thought. Okay, let's look at the second part first. How do we deceive? Uh, how are we being deceitful, rather? And, and what came to me, and, and it still kind of comes to me, and that's why I deal with the second part first, is that in the culture in which we live in, uh, I, 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 you know, I particularly think about this whole issue, and I, I'm going to go out here on a limb with, you know, the the the, the, the virus and, and the vaccines and stuff. I found that there was a lot of fear that was so heavy that even if a person thought they had something they could say about it, they wouldn't say. And so I liken that to us in terms of um, being a true witness and delivering the soul. Sometimes we water down. We quiet ourselves. We just agree with what somebody has said if we think that's the dominant opinion. We do a lot of things that actually might, in God's eyes, be actually a lie. Well, no, God hasn't said, well, yeah, I understand about certain situations. He did not say, well, that's okay. <laughs> or he did not say, um, you know, he did not quiet himself about certain issues. He, he made a proclamation. He declared some things. He gave us admonishment. He, he did not just agree. You know, he didn't try to make people just feel better because he felt like, oh, well, that's what everybody else is saying. 
And, and when we do that as people, are we really being a true witness? Are we delivering a soul? I think I learned from growing up, and maybe you have, that if your parent loves you, they will discipline you. They will tell you the truth. They will guide you in a way, whether it felt good that day or not. They're doing all these things to deliver you <laughs> um, and to mature you. But the deceitful parent, we could say, or the, would speak a lot to you. Oh, honey, that's okay. It's never going to matter anyway. Or, you know, there are lots of things you can do to lead a person down the wrong road. So what are we doing? A true witness in the world delivers a soul. And those people who put themselves on the line knowing they're contrary to the group they may be speaking to, sometimes you don't know that, so it's not difficult. But sometimes you do know that, and it is difficult. But the true witness, whatever you give that is right and in the line of truth, and if you apply in love, we know that, right? If you apply it in love the best you can, you have the potential to deliver a soul. To deliver a soul. That contemplation that leads a man to say, I need a savior. Period. And I'm thinking of it now in context of salvation. But a deceitful mm. witness, you speak a lie. You don't say, and I, I, I said, I, I heard the pastor say it in his message. He referenced a book that people have heard. It's called Living Your Best Life. You don't say you live your best life, and as Ravi Zacharias has said, and leave out the cross. <laughs> and there was no cross <laughs> to be found in telling people that they can live like there's heaven on earth in the sense of like material wealth. But the same superficial thing that the devil trips us up with any other how. So we deceive others and we deceive ourselves if we allow things to move on we water down what is truth and again in love you can find a way to talk to your daughter to talk to your son to talk to your parents to talk to your friend like I try to do who still rejects me and even I've had two friends tell me hey we can quit this or we can stop this right now you know they're very adamant I turn around and I say hey I have been your friend or I have had high regard for you and they're like okay it's it soothes them they're rejecting but I'm doing it in love because I'm not going to leave a sour taste in their mouth on purpose, but I will not speak a lie. And that's why they rise up and move away. So again, when we're out there being a witness, there are lots of things you could say for yourself. Be a witness. It's the end means of delivering the soul, not appeasing it in its separation from God. Because if we do that, then we become like a deceitful witness, I think, and we really speak a lie that God hasn't actually said. Mm. So moving down again from 25, it will shift. 29 is self-explanatory, I think. Let's shift over to another thing we can ponder over. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. I say, Lord, help me, Jesus. The biggest wrath I think I have in my life right now is if I'm being frustrated <laughs> with my own family. But I lack <laughs> understanding on what the approach could be if I let it be. But he, and so he that is hasty of spirit exalts of folly. And, and that's often what could happen and what comes to, to being. So if I'm slow to wrath, and you can say that, I'm of great understanding. If I'm hasty of spirit... I then exalt and uplift and bring in folly. I'm bringing in 
um, basically that the things that can rise out of the contention that happens um, become folly and they, they're kind of working out of a foolish approach. So that I think that we can sort of digest and sort of look at our own lives again on a daily basis looking at um, how our responses should be and what they actually are. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Phyllis might even have some follow-up on that one, too. So 29, I'm going to go down to 30. A sound part, I believe, uh, is of the flesh, but in the rottenness, uh, the rottenness of the bones. Um, again, here, the, the second part stuck out because, like I said, there, there's so much I actually thought I'd write my own little sermon over here. I thought, well, we can break this down and really make sure that we're all understanding the words, etc., but let's just, you know, try to stay in the program with what um, sort of extends itself rather easily for us and then take time to study um, afterward. Envy, the rottenness of the bones. I just wanted to say, you know, to be resolved with who you are and what you have. Uh, it's, it's not that, you know, envy itself, we've all heard of that. If it's the rottenness of the bones, it might mean that, you know, we are drooling and discounting what's already given to us to the degree that it becomes, you know, just a diminishing of the life that we live. It takes away from um, the, the, the living that we have because we're constantly in a state of looking out and desiring other things, other people, other ways that somehow we wish we had. But notice again, if you have a resolve for who you are, what you are, who you have, okay, it's not that you don't recognize there are other options in the world or around you or for your own life. Um, options, it's not that you don't recognize the options, there are options there. Um, you know, that's not necessarily being envious. But when we drool again and discount what's already given to us and count it as next to nothing, or we're always talking about my lack against somebody else's abundance or what they've got, what's going on for them. Um, you know, that's not beneficial to developing contentment. And it's definitely not beneficial to developing grateful hearts. And so if somehow the passage envy, if that envy is in your heart at all, ask God to show you. And let me tell you right now, you need to ask God to show you how to to, to rid yourself of it in every situation because it rises up again. See, that's the thing. (laughs) It's one of those weeds that comes back every year. And so it can become the rottenness of our own bones. And again, it leads to an ungrateful life. You become a sourpuss. And again, you're always in this sort of back and forth um, comparison between what I've got. And you can't possibly um, love and appreciate, even if you need other options. See, that's not the point, that there are not other options for you. It's what you're doing with your perception of other things in the moment and it becomes uh, not beneficial for you so as we close out we've got 34 righteousness exalted a nation but sin is a reproach to any people if you want a good memory verse again some of these are well quoted so you can remember that uh any nation any people group uh you know where there's sin it becomes a reproach and, and the nation doesn't stand it may look to stand but eventually 
the sins become the destruction of the people. But the righteous leader, the righteous folk who live under the leader, it takes all of us. Um, it exalts the nation. You know, I think of our own country. It, not, it doesn't have to have. There are lots of good things that founded this country. Lots of people who were in the way of God's will when the country came into being, despite the wars and despite the conflict, despite the slavery, despite the the issue with the Native Americans, despite that, God did bless a many a man and many of their contributions to building this nation made the nation grow in the way that it did. Now, those contrary to that also brought on our nation uh, probably many reproaches. But at the same time, when there was righteousness being blessed by God, the nation itself became like something that was unlike so many nations in the world that I do believe that was part of the exaltation of our particular country. Um, and so where sin is, however, the reproach does lay itself. In closing out 35, the king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him that causes shame. And all I want to say here was be wise in all behaviors. Uh, seen by those who are in authority be wise before those are in authority let's take this literal the king the boss the parent whomever it may be don't practice trying to diminish okay e even if you're not satisfied in a particular situation don't wrong the king <laughs> through lying and cheating and whispering behind the king's back and slothfulness i'm not going to do this i'm doing this and no more you know, don't do that. The king's favor is toward the wise servant, but his wrath is against him that causeth shame. And I think of my king, our Lord. He too uh, grants his favor to his wise servants, but wrath is reserved for them that are out of the way and cause shame. That was a lot. Anybody want to join in? Hey. <laughs> Oh my, yes, you covered some good ground today and caused me really to reflect on a couple of uh, points that you made and I want to do that. I want to ask, however, you to check your volume and see if you can turn it up. Uh, I, you're very low, I do hear you. Uh, I had an update on my phone and I'm wondering if it's my phone as opposed to anybody else's because nobody else seems to uh, when nobody has stated it. I will speak loudly because I do understand. What no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying, check your volume. If your volume is all already high, then it's, yeah. it's on my end. Yeah. But what I wanted to, um, I wanted to add comment to your comments on verse 29. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. Uh, you made a point that uh, during some, well, it doesn't even have to be specific. When we disagree with each other, sometimes depending on who we are and the understanding that we have, uh, the disagreement can become very over the top, belligerent even. And I was, when you, you know, when you, as you were talking, I thought about that. And uh, we've, we, we've touched on it before with the Proverbs because really and truly these Proverbs are saying similar things on many occasions. You know, there's a repetition going on, but they're bringing, it's 
the, the words are bringing out different aspects of the same uh, inner characteristic or the lack of understanding, whatever. And I, it, it always um, astounds me that there is no room in our understanding for understanding that God has made us different. <laughs> so we don't all come to the same conclusions at the same time. Now, you may ask or I may ask or wonder, well, how on earth will we ever be one? Because Jesus Christ says that we are to be one in spirit. And how on earth will we ever interpret the word of God uh, in a un union, you know, of understanding and and um, the, the answer comes to me, I hope I can articulate it well here, and that is in the multitude of counsels, there is safety. That is what the Proverbs have taught us. That's what God says. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God and he will direct your path. That includes, I believe, uh, the interpretation of scripture, the discussion of uh, differences in, you know, thought on every level, academic, philosophical, political, religion, all of that. But because there is little understanding, and the understanding being that it takes a composite of thought to actually come to even the close, a close a replica of sound conclusion, it takes the conscious deliberate discussion and everyone convinced that they will hear and then they will weigh truth as it is exposed. That is to me one of the biggest lacks in our uh, existence and you know just in our relationships uh, no matter what they are formal, informal, you know casual, all relationships because I have indeed been myself involved in some very uh, heated arguments, but I've also grown and been able to watch it happen. And I've contemplated that. So I, the, the, the point I, that, that to me is, is being raised right here. When I say raised, I mean uh, lifted up for us to really put some time and effort into understanding is God has given every person a brain and a mind and a heart. And when we hear any information at all, it is filtered through our perspective. But our perspective is not necessarily God's truth. So we have to be willing to hear other perspectives and then search in those things that we hear for what actually is true. I also note that uh, people, some people have opinions about things. Those opinions are not truth. They're simply opinions. And in order to sometimes discover truth, we have to put some effort you know, behind it, you have to um, uh, do research. And the research has to be from credible sources. 
And then we have to believe that the credible source is not faltering or lying. And, and sometimes you ask yourself, or I ask myself, what would that person gain by uh, telling a lie? You know, they're credible, they're researchers, they are from a particular area uh, of uh, thought. And um, if, if I can, if I can not reason that after, you know, the, not one person, you're not trusting just one person, you're trusting several people, right? If I can conclude that they're, you know, this is coming out of a credible space or a credible whatever, um, and and that the the value of it is in their knowledge and not mine, then we could probably minimize a great deal of conflict. And what I brought out in uh, one discussion is that conflict is is always a part of a relationship. You cannot have a relationship and not have conflict. But how you handle the conflict is where understanding comes. Conflict arises in disagreement. And disagreement is really the core and natural outpouring of every person that God has made. We're not going to ever so often, you know, you'll see eye to eye with with somebody, but that's not a constant. Um, and the the way to keep the peace. I believe is in recognizing that God has given that person a way that their, their perceptions are based in how he has formulated them, how he really has made them. You know, I can't, I can't see different than I see until I receive more credible information and I have to remember in my own self that this is an opinion. My opinions are not informed. My opinions are just based on my perceptions of things. You know, Pastor Thomason, I love that you you, you uh, uh, quoted him. He'll be good. I forget what it was. I was trying to take notes here. But one thing he is, he's astute uh, when it comes to, um, you know, at the application of God's word, right? So uh, it is written. Oh my goodness! I, my, now I'm I veered off too far. In the in the first chapter of one of one of his booklets, it is written. The first sentence is, "When you understand, your eyes will be opened. Your eyes will actually open." And um, that's something that that I understand. I understand that God has gifted us all. And see, that's where our perspective comes from. It comes off the gift that we have. If I'm analytical and if I am, you know, if whatever, if that, that, if that gift is mercy. Everything I hear is going to be uh, filtered through this gift of mercy and serving and all that. That's how I'm going to process everything, right? But if you are an administrator, you're going to process it through that way. It's always going to be about organization and, you know, the, the, the one, two, three of a matter. So we come together and we are at odds in our in, in that part of us. But it takes all of that to have a perspective that is close to God's heart and that may walk us into truth. You know, people are very, I live with a person who's very analytical. And so it, anything I say, it's going to be 
uh, deciphered. You know, he's going to cut it up because that's how that's how he thinks. That's it. And um, I have learned to accept it. And when I when I tire of it, I simply say something like this. You know, it's not necessarily the thing to say, but I will say, well, you know, the Lord made me too, and I do also have a brain. So if we cannot sit and and consider this and come to a conclusion, you know, a solution, we really don't need to talk about it right now because they, you know, too much of that is 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 unnerving me, and too much of me is in unnerving him. So that is the thing. And I pray this morning, Anna, you did exceptional again. It's a really good job. I pray that God will really teach his children to understand that every gift has with it a perspective. And every perspective is worth consideration when we are coming to unified thought. That is important. So, Sister Reams, I'm going to read. Oh, I can hear occasionally Sister Shreese's voice drop. Also, Sister P, your voice cuts out in and out. This could be on my end. I don't know. Good morning, Tony. Um, <laughs> Sister Shreese, no, this is Anna Kane. Our reader this morning is Anna. Okay, so that's good. So sorry. I've welcomed everyone to the studio and so glad that you've come this morning. Um, and we are in Proverbs chapter 14, of course. And uh, Anna brought out this whole, the, I love that, the expose that you gave us there in, in chapter 29. Also in verse 30, I wanted to touch a little bit as well. Envy uh, according to the Bible, engenders strife. When you, when we enter, allow ourselves to be jealous-hearted and envious of others, we some people actually begin to hate the person that they envy. And Anna did uh, what I'm going to just do again, and that is say, be careful that you don't overlook the beauty of what God has done in you and the gift that you are to the body of Christ and the world. When you don't waste time in envy, but rather if there's something that you envy, you probably admire it to the degree that you want it. You know, um, when my, my friend tells me she's going to Austria, I don't really envy it, you know what I mean? But if she's going to the south of France, well, right there, I might have a little thing thing going on. And I say, oh, I'm so jealous. And that moment, in that moment, meaning, oh, I want to do it too. In that moment, I'm responding to that. But what I won't let myself do is sit down and think, how can they do that and I can't do this? Or why can they do this and I can't do this? And God, what is going on? I got to go and I'm going to work, you know? That I can I jump in and say the attitude and the heart with which you receive what you see in others and other things, that I think is where the envy, that that's the line that's crossed, what you just said. Oh, that's such a good idea. Yeah. I would love to do that too. That's a far cry yeah. from, the, you know, stepping across the line and, oh, it's no fair. And, you know, going into that whole yeah. 
line of thinking. It, you've crossed the line into Indian, or you're again that drooling. It can take a couple different forms, yeah. but you know you're always. So that's really important. That is, and I like the word drooling that you used in reference to it. Um, praise God, this has been one more time. There is just, uh, you know, I, I was contemplating this morning at 6.30 when I awakened, I listened to uh, Proverbs 14 on, on the audio Bible. And then I got up and I started to um, uh, look around. I thought it was your morning, but I couldn't get into the... Um, drive to check it out. I don't know what was happening on my computer. So I thank you so much for just stepping in and letting me know that. I started to send you the invitation, but then I thought I don't want to, you know, bogart or push or any of that. But I'm so glad you did because, you know, I always benefit from uh, the the expositions that you bring, the comments that you make. And that is everyone who comes. God bless us all. And this morning I do pray in, in conjunction with your prayers, that God will open our ears to hear his word and that he will give us a, uh, a focus, a serious focus, and really ask him to deliver us from the uh, areas in our lives that come under any one of the contrast uh, of these Proverbs, if we are on the positive side, praise the Lord. If we are on the contrasted negative side, Father, Father, deliver me. Cause me now to walk in the right path because we are responsible for those things that God teaches us and he teaches us through his word. Every one of you I am so really blessed that you join us. You make the uh, the reading of these proverbs. You make any any presentation that we give come alive. It lives now between us, within us, among us, around us. You know, and if you are with me after this, or if we talk and I transgress anything that is said. I pray that you would cause me to remember and not uh, leave me, you know, or smooth it over. Simply say, well, now, is that what you would want to say, do, or think, you know, because you, your teachings have brought, brought to, or what something that I heard you say, or the scripture reads, whatever, right? So we just want to keep each other accountable to God's word and his way because we're journeying together. We're moving from the earth into glory, literally moving. And I need you to help me, you know, lift my burdens up. You can consider it like the bed, the chair, the, the, you know, help me fold up all these dishes, pack them up so they don't break, all that stuff, right? That's what a movement is. We are taking the journey. We are indeed moving. And aren't we glad about it? Come on, let me tell you, if you told me I had a house on the hill, right, that that, that had um, a gate that was made of, of all precious jewels, and if you said the streets in this new space you're going to are like gold, if you say there is a fountain for your everlasting life and your healing, oh my goodness, would I jump for joy in this world? I would. Well, God is saying that to us and it behooves us. I mean, it is a necessary response 
to jump for joy. But not only jump for joy, I would begin packing up that kitchen. I'd pack and throw out all the stuff I don't need anymore. I would get ready for this new house, right? Make sure that I'm not taking any junk because that new house doesn't deserve to be cluttered with junk and that which is not beautiful. I would rather the new house be sparsely furnished than it, you know, I load in all this other stuff. That's what we're doing. We're getting ready for glory. We're getting for ready for the eternity that God is has prepared for us. And he said, if I go away, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I come again, I will receive you unto myself. Where I am there, you shall be also. That's just all I want, right? That's what we want. Thank you, Jesus. God be with everyone in this day and keep you through all of your tomorrows. Good show, great day, amen. So I guess that that means that light touch is moving. Tony, thank you for liking the show and all of you who have done so. I just happened to see that he did. And uh, thank you also, Fresh and Spaces, for coming again. I really look forward to everyone's reading. Welcome, Teeny Teeny. So glad you're here. Um, everyone, it's a job. I wanted to just say that it's a job. I'm not paid to do that. Sadly, this is the attitude of some people. Oh, yeah, okay. Now I understand when you were talking about the labor. Yes, all of this makes just good, perfect sense when we really take time to focus on it. May the Lord our God give you blessings. And I know a good Rose, thank you, Rose Angel. I, I love that. And Tad G, thank you, Rose Angie Pierre. Um, and I'm thinking that either Rose Angie is in um, maybe Haiti or the US or France or Senegal. I don't know, it's French to me. Kai Samuel, thank you for coming. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. We have had a really good meal, as always. We dine at the table of God's word, and we come away absolutely satisfied. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for all that you have given us, all that you have fed us. And Lord, we know that if we allow it to just marinate, you know, in, in the internal uh, recesses of our being, that we are nourished and our spirits are built up. And even if it's, you know, sometimes we hear a good word and we are convicted or we are rejoice and in the moment and we walk away and we forget it. Let us not forget, God. Let us not forget. Father, thank you for, you know, just working the ground that we are, just, you know, working it so that it is ready to receive every day all of the seeds that you're planting here. And then they are your words. And if the ground that they are planted in is um, turned up and, you know, uh, made ready, then that seed will take root. Hallelujah. And we will become more like you day in and day out, growing more and more to the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ and ready, Lord God, to sup with you at the marriage supper of the Lamb. May you be praised forever, and may all of you be blessed. Tony, 
We're praying for you. We know you got something going on tomorrow that's big. So you are in our prayers. Father, I thank you. Pastor Thomas said to tell Tony, God has already given it to you. You just have to tap into it, you know, just by sitting there and letting it come right on out of you. I know the spirit of God will speak through you as you have prepared and are prepared to be his ambassador wherever he is sending you. And you will give us the good report. Wish I could be there. God bless you now. Everyone have a great day, a great day or a pleasant night wherever you are in the world. Good afternoon. Enjoy this day and evening. God bless you now. See you this evening. All right. I'll see you back this evening at 830. Blessed be the name of our Father. Tell someone, bring someone.